I'm Barry Weiss. This is Honestly. Leah Thomas is a transgender woman who is now the star of the women's swim team at Penn. But before she was Leah Thomas, she was a middling swimmer for three years on the men's team at Penn. Back then, Thomas was seated number 462 in the NCAA. But now, on the women's team, Thomas is seated number one. Next month, Leah Thomas could even best Olympic gold medalist Katie Ledecky, who is widely considered one of the greatest female swimmers of all time. It's really hard to write and to talk about this topic. And it's not just because it's scary to get smeared as a bigot or a transphobe for saying the wrong thing or being curious about the wrong question. It's also because it pits two moral values, two different virtues against each other, fairness versus inclusion. And it seems, in this case at least, that you just can't have both. This is a debate that can feel a little abstract. But the thing is, it's not just a debate. It's not just esoteric. It involves very real people. Leah Thomas, for one, but also the women that she's competing against. That's why we sent one of our reporters, Susie Weiss, yes, it's my sister, to the Women's Ivy League Swimming and Diving Championship at Harvard last week. There's been a lot of headlines written about Leah Thomas, but we wanted to understand what this actually looks like on the ground, how it's playing out for the people that are involved in this story. Susie spent three days at the Harvard pool. And this race, which is called the Ivies, this is the pinnacle of many of these swimmers' careers. And yet none of these swimmers from any of these schools would talk to her or any other reporter on the record. And then there were the parents. After years of watching their daughters swim, this will be the last time that many of these parents will see their daughters compete in a pool. And yet here they were, watching their kids lose to someone who was making history. And even though they were clearly feeling a lot of emotions, they were afraid to share them with their names attached. They spoke to Susie only if she promised to keep them anonymous, for reasons that she'll explain. We published Susie's story last week on the newsletter, and today, we're bringing it to you. We'll be right back. There's so much more to Jewish history than persecution. I know it's sometimes hard to believe that when you talk to Jews, but trust me, there is. And in Jewish History Unpacked, the newest podcast from the people who brought you Unpacking Israeli History, you'll find out about some of the craziest, most amazing, but lesser-known stories that fill the Jewish history books. Given that the Jewish people's history goes back for millennia and spans continents and epochs, there are so many stories you just won't want to miss. You'll end up asking yourself questions that you never thought of, like, was Napoleon actually a hero for the Jews? And why were there so many suicide pacts in the first century? Hosts Yael Steiner and Jonathan Schwab will fill you in on what happened, how it happened, and why all of these ancient stories still matter. You can find Jewish History Unpacked wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show, where we expose how patent trolls shake down innocent victims using legal loopholes and abuse of the system. Hello, I notice you've been sued for patent infringement. I'd be happy to represent you for a price. Just remember, your defense cost is going to run around $3 million. 
Wow. The patent we were sued on had, as I recall, 113 claims. And every claim was almost the same. In other words, one claim would say, a computer accessing another computer to unlock software. And the next thing would be, software unlocked by one computer accessing another computer. That was just the same thing over and over 113 times, phrased a little bit differently each time. Since it took us four years and $2 million to overturn one of those sentences, they could put us through this for the rest of our lives. For more with Austin Meyer, including the details of his investigation into patent trolls and why none of us are safe, check out episode 326 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Watching Leah Thomas swim is more relaxing than watching the other swimmers on the women's team. Thomas glides easier. Her competitors in the Harvard pool have to kick much more frequently than she does, but get less far. And her shoulders almost swallow the straps of the one piece running down the center of her back as her body torques. She's better at swimming. She's built for it. Thomas, 22 years old and a fifth-year senior, is the star swimmer on the Penn's women's team and a transgender athlete who swam for her first three years on the men's. The tallest swimmer on her team by at least a head, she has to crouch a little to get in the Quaker's huddle. Well, controversy at the University of Pennsylvania where a transgender swimmer is smashing records in the U.S. women's competition. Thomas started making headlines in early December when, at the Zippy Invitational in Akron, she set two national records in the 500 and 200-yard freestyle events. In the 1650-yard freestyle, she beat her closest competitor by 38 seconds. 38 seconds ahead of the closest rival. 38 seconds over the person who is in second place. Won a 500... Since then, she's continued to smash records. There's controversy at the University of Pennsylvania as to what to do with a trans swimmer named Leah Thomas. And I have the... Leah Thomas isn't just a swimmer. She's become a totem in the culture wars, making abstract debates about the trade-offs between inclusion and fairness, about the tension between identity versus biology, and about the complications of treating sex as a mental fact and not a chromosomal one, real and radioactive. Her presence and dominance in the water has been confounding observers and many of the parents gathered at the Harvard pool to watch the Ivies. It threatens to destroy all of women's sports, all right? Men, this is not sexism, this is biology, are bigger. The first women's swimming and diving championship for the Ivy League took place in 1977, five years after Title IX became federal law. This year's four-day championship, which started on February 16th, is the seniors' last chance to swim for their team, unless they make it to the NCAA Division I finals, and the whole thing feels like a party. Some of the Princeton girls have big orange cowboy hats on. Cornell has red heart-shaped sunglasses. The Dartmouth crowd sports wacky headbands with bouncing puffs of green fuzz on the end. They play radio edits of pop songs during warm-ups and between events. And at every possible moment... The girls are screaming. They are jumping up and down at the edge of the pool, cheering and shrieking for their teammates in the relay and during all the heats. Each school has an elaborate call and response cheer. 
By the pool, Leah Thomas is closed off. She wears black headphones and sits on a metal bench under the pen flag near a Costco-sized box of Welch's fruit snacks, a bag of clementines, and a box of KN95 masks. I sit as close as I can to the pool deck, next to the dad of a brown swimmer. I'd point out my daughter to you, but she told me I'm not allowed to point, he tells me. I ask him what he thinks of Leah Thomas. I see someone who is beating people badly, and it's not fair, he says as we watch the first heat of the 500-yard freestyle prelims, a race that Thomas ends up winning by seven and a half seconds. But I'm also seeing that people aren't talking to her. Her teammates aren't encouraging her. She's like an island, alone. It can't feel good to know that there's nobody in the stands who is happy you won. Another guy I met in the stands, 34-year-old Ben Timlin. Who are you here cheering on today? I'm here. I'm here. Well, I'm here to witness history. Tells me he drove over from Arlington, Massachusetts to witness history. He's not into women's swimming or sports, but he's been following the story. I'm rooting for the girl from Penn to smash all types of records so I can see everyone's heads explode, he says. It's very interesting. If for nothing else, the same reason, like, it was interesting to watch the whole Donald Trump thing. It's just a wrench in the, in the soup or whatever you want to say. On Thursday, when Thomas posts a pool record for the 500. Thomas heads in for the final turn. It's going to be a race for second place. It might be Penn going one, two. Winning by about half a length of the 25-yard pool. And over the last half of the pool, nobody will touch Leah Thomas, who will finish at 437-32. Leah Thomas, Ivy League champion in the five... Timlin stands up and pumps his fists. Thomas, an economics major with a minor in classics, is from Austin and started swimming at the age of five. When she swam on the men's team, Thomas never made it to the NCAA championships. Now... Thomas is seated number one in the league and is poised to give Katie Ledecky a run for her money next month at the NCAA championships. Carol Hooven, the co-director at Harvard's Department of Human Evolutionary Biology and the author of a book about testosterone, is an expert on the biological differences between men and women. Hooven notes a few of the differences on average between those who have gone through male puberty and those who have not. Taller heights and longer wingspans larger bones and hearts, greater lung capacity, the structure of male-adapted muscles that are easier to build and harder to lose, and lean body mass. Some of these traits can be tamped down with drugs. Others can't. Men don't have an advantage over women because of one of these factors, but all of them put together, Hooven says. It's not fair for women to race against transgender Leah Thomas, tweeted female tennis champion Martina Navratilova recently. Diana Nyad, the legendary female swimmer who is the only person to swim between Florida and Cuba unaided, wrote in the Washington Post that no amount of analysis can erase male puberty's advantage. Perhaps a fair plan is to give competitions a new open classification. Cisgender, transgender, intersex, all are welcome. Many of the parents I spoke to say they'd be fine with Thomas swimming in the male category or a category all her own, as Nyad suggests. They aren't trying to hurt anyone's feelings or exclude anyone outside of the necessarily exclusive and biologically defined area of women's only sports. They don't seem to have a problem with Isaac Hennig swimming in the women's events. Hennig is a Yale student and a trans man who doesn't have the advantages from male puberty. It also feels cruel to hit out at Thomas, who would choose to make themselves the target of such vitriol? Plus, she's technically following all of the rules of the Ivy League and the NCAA. 
But when Thomas wins by half a length, it's a huge deal, and the blame has to lie somewhere. Most parents in the stands lay it at the feet of the NCAA. They had expected that the NCAA would impose some clarity. Instead, in January, the NCAA announced that when it came to transgender athletes, it would defer to the governing bodies of each and every sport. Three weeks ago, USA Swimming announced its new guidelines, which are pretty extensive. For example, a trans woman now has to have her testosterone tested and clear the five nanomoles per liter threshold for 36 months. This apparently caught the NCAA by surprise, which prompted the organization to double back and announce that it would be unfair to transgender swimmers to implement the new USA Swimming Guidelines this late in the game. All this means that Leah Thomas will get to compete at the NCAA Championships next month, and that the parents of the female swimmers she's trouncing are very annoyed. One pen dad, whose daughter swims against Thomas in distance events, tells me he places the blame squarely on the NCAA. His wife chimes in, the NCAA has done biological women and her wrong, and they need to fix it. A brown dad says the NCAA ruling adds up to weasel words. A Princeton dad tells me that either the people supporting this are on the wrong side of history, or it's the end of women's swimming. The parents' longer-run fear is that college coaches will start recruiting trans athletes, and that female athletes who have worked tirelessly in high school won't get a fair shot. They say their daughters can't reasonably train harder, lift more, or do anything to overcome the biological facts that make Thomas impossible for them to beat. The NCAA and the Ivy League are essentially telling their daughters, they say, to set their hopes on second place. When Thomas won the 500 free, I started chatting with a security guard. What did he think when she won? Speechless, he said. Just speechless. What did he think the solution was? Will the league change course? Nothing will change. This is Harvard. There's no controversy, no racists, he said. Then, with a wink, everyone is equal. The pool deck gets more stuffy as the meat wears on, and the more Thomas swims, the taller she becomes. The brown dad guessed six foot one in the morning. A Princeton dad was sure her frame was six foot three. She must be six foot five or six foot four, a Harvard dad told me after Thomas won during the one meter diving finals. One pen dad puts it plainly. No amount of hormone suppression will ever roll back the advantages Leah possesses because of male puberty. He thinks Thomas isn't even giving it her all. You can tell when a swimmer is coasting or really digging in, he says. Leah's swimming is like la la. He and his wife, plus another pen mom, tell me that their daughters tell them that Thomas seems oblivious to all the discussion around her. She hasn't asked our girls how they feel about any of this, says the mom. My daughter is a female, and Leah has dated females. And now she's in the locker room with male parts. But the pen couple thinks that Thomas's comfort has come at the expense of their own daughters, who say they've received veiled threats from the university when it comes to speaking out. At the meet, the announcer opens with a warning against racist, homophobic, or transphobic discrimination. So it is no surprise that not one of the swimmers would speak to me, nor have they spoken on the record to any other reporter. It's not that they haven't considered it. A Harvard dad told me, one of the swimmers on the Princeton team called my daughter and asked if they were to put out a statement if the Harvard swimmers would, too. I'm told that the Princeton girls are freaking out. 16 Penn swimmers sent a letter to Penn and the Ivy League urging them to uphold USA Swimming's decision. 300 other swimmers sent another letter to the NCAA in support of Thomas. There have been a ton of statements, too, from Penn, 
Penn Athletics is committed to being a welcoming and inclusive environment for all our student athletes. Michael Phelps. We all should feel comfortable with who we are in our own skin. Um, but I think sports should all be played at an even playing field. I don't know what that looks like in the future, but it's 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 hard. And Caitlyn Jenner. We cannot have biological boys competing against women in women's sports. One, it's bad for the trans community. And it's bad, obviously, for women's sports. Um, we need a fair playing field. And right now, if we allow this, it's not a fair playing field. The Penn parents tell me there's yet another letter coming down the pike, this one organized by them with the help of former Olympian Nancy Hogsheadmaker, which argues that Thomas's participation is unfair. That one has 3,000 signatures, including from more than 100 Olympians and Hall of Fame swimming coaches. These are Ivy League parents. They have opinions about everything. They will tell you that lanes four and five have the least turbulence. They will explain how there's a $400 swimsuit that you can only wear once, but that might be worth it for the tenth of a second. But as history unfolds in front of their noses, they refuse to comment on the record. One mom told me that she was happy that Leah gets to swim as her true self before changing her mind and insisting that I delete the recording of our interview. After I spoke to one dad, his wife contacted me, begging to take his name off the record. She thought that the consequences for speaking would be severe and texted, please don't hurt my child. As much as wingspan, heart size, lung capacity, bone density, or nanomoles of testosterone per liter of blood, the story of Leah Thomas is a story about the Ivy League and the class of people that tends to populate it. These kids and their parents are ultra competitive in swimming, in schooling, and socially. In some cases, these families passed up scholarships to D1 schools so that the kids could swim for Columbia or Dartmouth or Cornell or Yale and pick up a more elite diploma along with a varsity letter. Getting here meant a decade or so of early practices, endless carpools, faraway meets, college visits, charity projects, SAT prep, and AP classes. But getting in doesn't mean an end to the prep and the striving. There are still job prospects, summer internships, and graduate school admissions to worry about. They love prestige and they love rules. Rules got them and their kids where they are. These are the highest scoring rule followers in the country. But now the rules have turned on them. Whether you think it or not, you can't go against her, says the brown dad. No one wants to take the hard stance because they don't want to be demonized. One of the pen moms says her own daughter warned her against speaking out. She's worried about getting into grad school, and she doesn't want my name or hers to come up on a Google attached to this. Her daughter is hoping to get a graduate degree in biology. The parents say their daughters know it's wrong that Thomas is swimming against them, but they won't risk getting smeared with the label transphobe. And then there's Mike Schnurr, the pen coach who is wearing a mask with the trans flag on it when Thomas swims in the 100-yard freestyle. Politically, he's as conservative as they come, says a pen dad. He just loves winning and loves his job. A pen mom stares at me. Everyone's just faking everything. On Friday, before the 200-yard freestyle, I spoke with Skylar Baylor, the first trans athlete in D1 sports, who swam for Harvard's men's team from 2015 to 2019. Now a full-time transgender activist, Baylor organized the 300-person letter in support of Thomas. Baylor said that those opposed to Thomas are driven by little more than bigotry. So bigotry, yes, disguised as a conversation about fairness. Okay. Most people are not saying, at least that I've heard, most like arguments from any sort of credible sources are not saying, we hate trans people. They're not allowed to say that, and they know that. So they're 
disguising it by saying we care about fairness. Most people aren't saying we hate trans people because they're not allowed to say that, but they're disguising it by saying we care about fairness, says Baylor. It is it is a very insidious form of propaganda. Baylor went to sit with Thomas's parents. You're a swimmer. You've spent your whole life swimming. Leah's learned how to swim when she was five. Swimming is what's gotten you through your life. It's your passion. It's your your pastime. It's everything to you. And then 16 of your teammates say, under the guise of mental health, also saying they theoretically care about your mental health, um, that they don't want you there. How do you go back to practice? Like, think about that. Think about coming back to practice after 16 out of your 41 team members anonymously, so you don't even know which ones it is. Thomas's mom reached for him, grasping her heart. He and the dad shook hands. Imagine the amount of resilience it takes just to show up at practice the next day, right? That's the first thing I want. I want parents to truly think about that. Imagine if that was your child. Forget about whether or not they're trans, but imagine if 16 of your child's teammates said, I don't want you to compete anymore. That is cruel, right? Just that. It's just cruel, right? The next thing is that it's an abuse of power. Thomas ended up swimming a 143.13, a new record for both the pool and the Ivy meet. A few minutes later, she is awarded her medal on the tallest podium. My fellow reporters are scrolling through Twitter minutes after that race. Out of the corner of my eye, I can read, Shameful. Penn's Leah Thomas picks up victory in the 200 free at Ivy League Championships, sets meet record. I can't help but look back at her parents who I'm sure just want everyone to leave their kid alone. A spectator stands up and waves the transgender flag, light pink, and baby blue stripes, but packs it up and heads out after Thomas's race. In the three days I spent at Harvard's pool, I watched Thomas win the 500-yard freestyle, the 200-yard freestyle, and the 100-yard freestyle. And that is a new Ivy League meet record. Leah Thomas erases Hennig's record from earlier this morning. Isaac Hennig settles for second place with a time that was nearly as good as he... In every race, she made the pool record. In the 100 and 200 free, she set the Ivy record too. In second place for that race was Hennig, the transformer from Yale. In a few moments, Thomas will hoist herself out of the pool. She'll receive a high five from some and a cold shoulder from others. Then she'll collect her third medal of the meet. For now, Thomas and Hennig embrace while they bob in the water. In the days after the Ivy League meet, one mom decided to speak up. I know that my daughter took two days to emotionally prepare to race Leah. She spent the days writing down her thoughts, working through her emotions, trying to mentally prepare for standing in front of a crowd where everyone present knew the race was unfair, but no one would speak. She read her statement at a webinar hosted by a women's rights organization, but remained anonymous, she said, in order to preserve her relationship with her daughter. She knew she would not win, but this was not about shame and losing. This was about being asked to measure her worth as a female athlete. She was very emotional. What messages had these girls been receiving this year? How many of the other girls were feeling this? 
my heart was ripped apart. Damage far greater than the sports arena was now apparent to me. Just this week, Sports Illustrated published a huge spread of Leah Thomas. Thomas gave her first interview, posing for the magazine under the water and in her pen bathing suit on the starting blocks. The magazine framed this controversy as, quote, a real-time Rorschach test for how society views those who challenge conventions. It also said this, Science allegedly showed trans women had larger hands and feet, bigger hearts, and greater bone density and lung capacity. Leah, who told the magazine that she hopes to become a civil rights lawyer, said this of her detractors. The very simple answer is that I'm not a man, she said. I'm a woman, so I belong on the women's team. Trans people deserve that same respect every other athlete gets. Two weeks from now, Leah Thomas will go to Atlanta, where she'll swim in the NCAA Women's Division Swimming and Diving Championships. One of her goals, according to Sports Illustrated, is to go to Paris in 2024 for the Summer Olympics. Thanks for listening. As always, if you have a tip or guest suggestion, an idea for a debate, please write us at tips at honestlypod.com. See you next time. This is Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer. By now, you've probably heard of my podcast, The President's Daily Brief. We travel around the world talking about the most pressing news of the day. And the goal is to take complicated issues, both here and abroad, and make them really simple to understand. We also talk about solutions to the problems that we discuss, just like the actual brief delivered to the president each day in the Oval Office. So download and subscribe to The President's Daily Brief, available on all major podcast platforms starting at 6 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. It'd be a pleasure if you joined us.